I want to open this morning with a statement that may seem strange, that may challenge your theology on uh, your theology on God's love for you. How you see God's love for you. Um, but I want you to get the context and think about it before you dismiss it. Because in this world that we're in, they want us to dismiss a lot. It's, I'm using that word in connection with you'll hear tolerance. You know, don't be haters. Don't judge. But really what they're wanting you to do is dismiss the truth because we know the truth. They, want, they don't want to hear it. They don't want it to be in their world. They want whatever the way they want to live, whether it conflicts with the truth or not, they don't want to hear anything contrary to that. So we have to be very careful when we hear the truth and we don't quickly dismiss it because we live in that world. And even as believers, we have to be careful that that world doesn't influence how we deal with the truth. But I want you to get the context and think about this statement I'm about to make. And the statement is, sometimes the Lord has to hurt you. Sometimes the Lord has to hurt us to heal us. Sometimes the Lord has to hurt us to heal us. I don't mean that he intentionally sets out to cause us harm, but in love, he, his Holy Spirit convicts us, uh, challenges us, points out our sin, gives us a reality check on what we are really good at and what we're not, and he will challenge our self-proclaimed identity. You know, God has an identity that he plans for you to have, but sometimes we ignore that or we start proclaiming early who we think we should be. And you know that whole story about if you say something long enough, even though it's a lie, sometimes you begin to believe it's true because you've heard it so much. Sometimes even out of our mouths, we say things so much that we believe be true. It's when people say, you know, this is just how I am or this is what it is. So in love, God will sometimes even challenge our self-proclaimed identity. We've all heard the phrase, the truth hurts. Even when that truth is spoken in love by a gracious individual, the truth can be painful. But that pain is sometimes necessary for us to grow and become who we're supposed to be. One of the least favorite parts of being a shepherd, when I got into this, I thought, okay, this is going to be kind of like, you know, hanging out like youth group. And we're going to go down to Sonic. We're going to drink us Route 44. And we're going we're gonna to talk about good times and serving Jesus. There's going to be a party. But first time I had to confront somebody with the truth, sit down in my office or someplace and say, brother or sister in Christ, this is, this is going to hurt you or this is going to hurt others or it is hurting others. It's hurting you. It's hurting me. You have to stop this. You know, sometimes if that person gets mad, they leave the body of Christ. I'm not dealing with this. I don't have to hear this. It's other churches. You know, th those things hurt. But the truth is the truth, and sometimes it's necessary for us to grow, to, to have that pain of hearing the truth in order for us to become who we're meant to be. I don't watch many reality TV shows. Uh, we shut our cable off long ago when the boys were two. Uh, people that play, do the programming for TV were being dumb and putting all kinds of junk in between the teledummies and the other shows and you just, you know, horror, horror movie advertisements. And our boys are, you know, shocked by that stuff. So we turned it off. And, and, but I do get into certain reality TV shows like American Idol and, um, and the, the Voice, which recently I found out about that. I even know that show, The X Factor. But I believe, I, I love those because it's an unveiling of incredible hidden talent. It's, it's, Someone who you would never suspect. I, I love those ones where they come out and the way they look and everything, everybody's already starting to snicker. They don't believe they're going to do a good job. And then all of a sudden, out of their mouth, Pavarotti speak, it seems, you know? 
It's beautiful. And, and so I love that because I love those stories. Someone who, who was unnoticed and unrecognized but had this wonderful talent and it comes out. But on the other side, they also have to sell those programs to people who aren't the, because I'm, I'm an optimist. I want to see somebody do good. Um, they have the people that want to see people do bad. And so they also have the people to make fun of who come out there and they open their mouth and they're like, oh, good Lord, you can't sing. You can't, you can't sing and somebody should have told you that. And I think about that. I think, man, didn't someone love them enough? Surely somebody would love them enough to tell them they can't sing before they come out in front of millions of people and embarrass themselves. And I mean, it even embarrasses me and I don't even know them. Sometimes I want to crawl under a coffee table because of the fact that they're out there embarrassing themselves. I think that's awful. Somebody needs to take the little hook and pull them off stage. But, but it's, it's, that, it's that fact that, that sometimes people will... Sometimes people will, will uh, go out there and think that they have this talent and, and really put it out there when all along they don't have it. I think, didn't your mom and dad love you enough to tell you you can't sing? Somebody surely loved you enough to try to save you that embarrassment. The truth hurts. But sometimes the pain of dealing with the truth is necessary to become who we are really supposed to be. I want us to look at a text that is on the very topic, although there are not many sermons you will hear that will draw this part out of the text. Most sermons on this text will be focusing on just the part of love, but, but there is a part of this uh, text that is about hurt. I was fortunate enough to, uh, to, to catch this, not on my own, but through uh, you know, resourcing, and, hit, and I was listening to messages and, and caught one by Brian Jarrett from Texas with North Place Church, and and did a wonderful job of this. So much of what you'll hear this morning, I pulled from this message that uh, Brian had put online. If you want to turn with me to John chapter 21, verses 15 through 18. John chapter 21, verses 15 through 18. This is, uh, I'm going to read out of a couple different versions. This is NIV. John chapter 21, starting in verse 15. It says, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, then Jesus repeated the question in verse 16. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. I want you to key in on that phrase in verse 17, Peter was hurt. Peter was hurt. Sometimes the Lord has to hurt us in order to heal us. Or to really focus in on what this healing is, let us use it interchangeably today with the word restore or restoration. Healing is really the restoration of something broken back to full working order. If you, if you break a limb and it's put in a cast and healed up, they're restoring it back to working order. So healing and restoration, we're going to use that interchangeably. At times through our life, there will be moments when we need to be hurt to be restored. Now, I don't think Jesus set out to intentionally wound Peter. I do think Jesus set out to make Peter face the 
three previous denials of Peter's love for Jesus. Keep in mind, Jesus is about to be crucified, and Peter denies him what? Three times. So we see Jesus here confronting Peter and, and bringing this out, but he's, he's asking him three times, do you love me? Peter had been a coward. He had sinned greatly. He had turned his back on Jesus, and I think this was the moment of the apostles' restoration. There's so much opportunity in front of him that Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't just ignore it. There's the elephant in the closet. Peter knew. Peter was thinking of this. Here, here he'd heard and believed what Jesus was, but in the moment when Jesus needed him most, he denied him three times, and then here Jesus appears again to them, and he's there, and Peter has to be thinking about this constantly. Can you imagine the weight he's carrying? Thinking about, I denied him once, twice, three times, and he lives In a very delicate and very godly, man-to-man way, Jesus dealt with Peter's denial. He dealt with his sin. He dealt with his pride. In this particular moment, challenging him by asking him three times, Peter, do you love me? The way this reads in the Greek, though, will change your minds somewhat about how this interaction went. Because when you look at it with actually the Greek context, the... the um, when he asked him the third time, the way this reads in the Greek, Jesus first asked him, do you agape me? Do you love me without condition is what that means. Do you love me unconditionally, Peter? Which Peter said to the Lord, you know that I phileo you, which means I conditionally love you. Peter uses a different word in the Greek. So Jesus asked him again, Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me unconditionally? And Peter responds again the same way. Lord, I, I, you know I love you conditionally. So the third time, Jesus changes the Greek word and asks him, Peter, do you only phileo me? Do you, do you only love me conditionally? See, there's, there's an influx, there's a change in the emphasis there that puts this in a little bit different tone, and we don't get that when we read sometimes. We, we don't get that until we really look in to what's being said there about the tone in which it's said, and I can really hear Jesus saying, is that the only way you love me, Peter? You only love me conditionally? Which Peter said, Lord, you know all. You know that I love you. So Peter isn't just hurt because Jesus asked him three times. He's, and yes, I do think there's significance between Peter denying Jesus three times and Jesus asking three times. I, I believe that in that room, you know, here's everybody and they're not quite sure what, what's going on there. But in the safety and confines, like in the church with brothers in Christ there, Jesus is saying, we're going to get this elephant out of the closet, Peter. I know you're carrying this weight. I know what you can be and what your potential is. And we're going to get this over with. And so he asked him three times, which automatically, Peter, it, you can imagine day after day, he's saying that probably wakes up in the morning and thinking once, twice. Three times I deny him, carrying that weight, feeling like he, he can't measure up. And am I really, am I going to miss out on the kingdom of heaven because I did this? And so Jesus wants Peter to be able to move on and become what he wants. So he, he confronts that by asking him three times. And Peter was grieved and the heart of Peter was exposed here and it hurt him. The truth in this moment hurt him. But Jesus was trying to deal with this issue in his life because there was so much potential on the other side of what Peter was supposed to become. Jesus wanted him to get over his failure, to get past his past, if you will, and to become the founder of the church he was supposed to be. So Jesus deals with this issue. If you want to be used of God, you have to be willing to endure some temporary pain for eternal gain. 
You have to be able and willing to endure some temporary pain for eternal gain because the healing or restoration may be in the hurt itself. That may be what starts the restoration. In chapter 21, Jesus was dealing with Peter's sin. He was dealing with Peter's pride. And he was trying to lead him to a place of brokenness. And in the world's mind, that doesn't seem to make sense, that you have to be broken before you're made whole in most instances. And here we are. We want to talk about God having to hurt us in order to heal us. But again, as we think of the term of brokenness, we've all known people who have broken a bone. And either they didn't know it was broken because of the type of break or they're too stubborn to go to the doctor trying to be tough, you know, and endure it. And the next thing you know, it's healing back, but it's healing wrong. And so finally, because of discomfort or not working right, they go to the doctor and the doctor says, oh no, yeah, that was broken. I'm going to have to re-break it and set it. Now, there seems to be something to me sick and wrong about a doctor having to break your bone to fix you. It seems like that is just cruel and unusual punishment, but sometimes it's necessary to be made whole, to be made right. Because that bone was meant to function a certain way. It was you're born with a certain way, and the doctor may have to go to extreme measures to cause you great pain in order to make you, to heal you, to mend you. Now Jesus reframes the conversation he had with Peter. After getting into Peter's business and dealing with his pride, he reframes the conversation and invites us to a place of brokenness like he did Peter so we can reach our full potential. In Matthew chapter 21, if you want to move to Matthew chapter 21, we're going to go all the way down to verse 42. Matthew 21, down to verse 42. So again, Jesus reframes this. This is, this is a really, if you, when you hear this, you'll, you'll start to make the connection, but Verse 42, Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. I was, it was awesome first service when I heard Ken had selected cornerstone, that song cornerstone because of the focus on the message here. Before I read verse 43, I want you to understand what he is saying though here. Jesus, according to scripture, was a stumbling block. He was a rock of offense to his own people. You see, the Jewish people of the day were looking for the Messiah to be a political ruler. They wanted someone to come in, and because of their political power, because of their ability to lead, to actually set up a physical kingdom on earth, to, for them to have their own Jewish state, independent Jewish state. And so that's what they're expecting of Jesus. And everyone got on board in the beginning seeing his popularity growing because he is healing the sick and, and people being raised from the dead and all this stuff, and he got a big following. And so that wasn't all Jewish people who were following him. But once they saw that, they were like, hey, this thing may really go. This may be the guy, and they got behind it. But when it came apparent that his campaign wasn't a political one, but a spiritual one, not a physical kingdom on earth, but a, a spiritual one, one that would be physical one day, but it wasn't happening the way they thought, the numbers of followers started falling away and his followers, that group became very small. So when he makes the statement that I am the stone that the builders rejected, he is a stumbling block. He is a rock of offense to his own people. He offended his people so greatly they wind up crucifying him because of his claim to be the son of God. And that was not jiving with their preconceived idea of the messiah it was blasphemy to them but he goes on to others to say 
To some of us, he is a building block to which we build on. A cornerstone. A building block, a cornerstone. So to some, he's a stumbling block. He's, he's, he's the problem in their path is the way they see it, the way they react to Jesus and, his, and the truth of Jesus. But, but to others, it's a building block, a cornerstone. For those of us who have made him our anchor for our, our past, our present, our future, we are built upon him. Everything about us is built on Jesus, the solid rock. We have made him our chief cornerstone of life. And that's why we sing the song. And again, it was another song we sang that it was in my notes here. That's why we sing, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. Because he is the cornerstone in our life. With that in mind, listen to verse 43. Verse 43, Therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. He's talking to those who see him as a stumbling block here, what we talked about, a rock of offense. And then in verse 44, anyone who falls on this stone will be broken into pieces. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken into pieces. Anyone whom it falls on will be crushed. In our vocabulary, we think of broken and crushed as both bad things, but in, in this particular verse and the way Jesus is putting this, we can see that, that they're not the same thing here. Actually, the broken and crushed is, is different. It seems in this passage that the one being broken has chosen a free will to be broken, to fall on the rock and to be broken into pieces. Those who choose to fall on the, the rock fall on them choose to do life their own way, to, to basically say, I'm going to do this my own will. To, to like the song says, I did it my way. They're people who are going to be crushed. To those who believe he is a cornerstone, to those who don't believe he's a stumbling block. Because to broken pieces, it seems to be chosen to be broken. Those They chose to be that way. And as I was listening to this message from Pastor Brian and, and hearing what he was saying, he talked about a lady who takes broken pieces of plates and busts the rest up, puts them in a tumbler, and those sharp edges that could cut you, that could be harmful, that could be painful, it begins to polish those and take the rough edges off, and then she puts them in uh, with cement or something mortar and makes a mosaic, something very beautiful. So sometimes Jesus, we, he breaks us apart, but that's not the end. And even when we feel broken in pieces, we feel like sometimes we're ugly or we don't have what we need or we don't have potential. But then Jesus polishes off those sharp edges. He takes through that pain, that initial pain, he, he takes and polishes it and then makes something very beautiful of us. And we don't always look anything like the previous thing that we were. Sometimes we're very much different, but it's beautiful. You see, Jesus knew Peter's full potential, but Jesus couldn't, could clearly see that Peter could not and was, was not being able to see his full potential. He was acting out of only what Peter thought he was capable of. That was brokenness in Peter that Jesus wanted to expose. He wanted it out on the table so Peter could get past it, move on, and become what Jesus knew he could become. And that was the foundation of the church. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. In the King James Version this time. It says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, 
Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist. Some, Elias and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I, I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall loose in heaven. He was saying, Peter, you're going to be awesome. You're going to be great. I'm going to put you in charge of being the foundation of the church, and you're going to build. I'm going to build upon you as a rock. See, Jesus saw his potential, and Peter didn't see it, and, and Jesus was willing to, to actually hurt Peter, but not for the sake of hurting him only, but because of what was going to be on the other side. When Peter couldn't see it because his self-esteem didn't allow it, or when he, his past failures, his miserable failures in the past wouldn't allow him to see it, or when pride wouldn't allow him to see it, Jesus could see it for him, and Jesus wanted him to see it as well. If we were to look, to, to look further into why Peter needed restoration, throughout the Gospels, Peter was a leader of the apostolic band that followed Jesus. However, at the time of the crucifixion, again, he abandoned him, denied him three times. Peter wasn't a well-educated man, fisherman. You know, there wasn't a lot else going for him in life. You can imagine, fisherman, it was a, you know honorable trade, but yet at the same time, what did he have to look forward to after this awesome adventure with Jesus, those three years of ministry, the following of people, all that, and the crucifixion, if he hadn't have denied him, I mean, he'd been thinking, man, look what has been made in my life and all. But because of the crucifixion, he was fearful and, and he denied him and he's, he's carrying this weight and Jesus gets it out in the open. Just so we understand what Jesus saw in his potential is written in one of the ecclesiastical books of the ancient writings that Peter died by crucifixion around 56 A.D., during the reign of Nero. The story goes that Peter and his wife were arrested while in Pergamum and strength, uh, strengthening the church. So they were doing the work of the church as Jesus had thought he would and they were arrested with his wife. They were arrested and thrown into prison for what we would call treason today. That's how the, the charges read. Before the arrest, the, the church attempted... Uh, before the arrest, the church tempted Peter to run for his life. However, the Spirit of God told him that he needed to stay put. They were tried and sentenced to death. One day, Peter was led out of prison to the place of crucifixion, and there he was made to watch while they crucified his wife in front of him. As she was being crucified, he cried out to her to find strength in the crucified Lord. He will never fail her. After she died on the cross, he was led back to prison to contemplate his end. The very next day, he was led back to the site of her crucifixion, and they began to crucify him. But he cried out and was and saying, I'm unworthy to die in the same death as my master. So he asked to be crucified upside down. They honored his request and placed the cross upside down where he died by crucifixion. 
He didn't cry out for himself. He didn't deny Christ the fourth time. He felt unworthy to die the same death as the one he served. What an awesome restoration. What an awesome legacy. He didn't deny him the fourth time. In fact, not only did he not deny him, he said, I'm not even worthy to be crucified the same way. Stood there as a warrior of the cross and said, I can't even be looked upon in the same way, but I'm honored to die for my Savior. If we look back to John chapter 21, verse 18, it says this, Verily, truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. I don't know that I ever caught this before. Jesus was telling Peter how he was going to die. At that moment when he was confronting him, bringing us out, he was trying to tell him, I'm hurting you, Peter. I know. I'm hurting you. I know. And it hurts me that, that, yeah, you deny me, but you're so much greater than this. Peter, you rock. That's what he told him. You're going to be the rock on which you build a church. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and lead you to where you do not will, where you don't want to go. John explains that in, in this saying, Jesus was speaking about the death in which Peter would, would, do in course, would endure in due course time. The explanation was needed here because the wording in the preceding verse was unclear. The words were clear to Peter, but John adds the explanation for the reader of this gospel. You see, have you ever had that person that you can read each other's minds almost? You almost finish each other's sentences? Peter really did love Jesus. He, he, didn't, he didn't see it how much he really did. Jesus knew, hey, you messed up. But I know you'll have my back in the end. And uh, they were having quite the powerful conversation there at that moment. To the unbeliever, there could be no glory in a person dying such a horrible death, but to one who serves the risen Lord, this was real glory. Like the gladiator who is willing to die for simple fact of the glory, but in this case, it's for a greater cause, the King of kings and Lord of lords. You see, this was the potential Peter had, and Jesus knew it. Jesus was willing to hurt Peter's feelings in order to ensure Peter could reach the potential of enduring pain like no other. Are you willing to accept pain, the hurt of correction, to reach your full potential? Confront your pride and be healed, restored, and begin to really build on the cornerstone of your life. You see, as your shepherd, as your pastor, I may even be younger than some. I may have less experience in things of you, but, but if God has placed me and has given me the wisdom to be able to speak into your life and we come to a crossroads where I see something that is going to hurt you or that is going to keep you from your potential, are you willing to take initial hurt? See, so many times in this Bible Belt, people are willing to just leave. What if Peter had just left? Jesus, I can't take that. I know I messed up, but I'm not taking that. I'm just going to go. Or I don't agree, Jesus. I mean, look, why would you expect anybody to stand there and possibly get crucified too in that moment? I mean, you didn't tell us that was going to happen. Or did he? Sometimes we ignore the truth. Are you willing to accept some hurt, the hurt of correction, confront your pride in order to finally be healed, restored, and reach your full potential? Let's bow our heads. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for 
your work in our lives. God, I thank you for the truth of your word that even though it hurts sometimes, Jesus, it hurts when we find out the truth. Those things we think about ourselves, that we believe about ourselves, that we're trying to convince others of, when we find out it's really not who you wanted us to be. Maybe it's not that there's a, it's a sinful thing, that who we were, but it's just not our full potential. And I thank you, God, that you love us enough to correct us. Just like with our children, Lord, when we tell them this is going to hurt me worse than it's going to hurt you. Because we understand, Lord, it must have been so difficult to know that that was going to crush Peter on the inside, but no, it was going to just break him. Because with brokenness, he could be made into something even more beautiful. With every head bowed and eye closed, I want to just give us an opportunity that if, if this morning the truth of God's word has uh, pricked your heart and, and told you, I need, I need to be willing to take that. I need to know that I can take that correction from the Lord or from spiritual leaders or from a good brother or sister in Christ, that I'm not going to just reject that. I'm not going to reject the stone. I'm not going to let it be a stumbling block. I'm not going to let it crush me. I'm just going to understand that it's okay to hurt and be broken a little. It, it might just be that my healing, that my restoration is in that hurt, is in that pain. At this time, I'm going to open the altars. If you want to find a place to pray and spend some time with the Lord, and just let him prepare your heart like he did Peter's. Let him give you that insight into what he's got for you. Be willing to take the hard answers. Amen.